Hello, and welcome to our podcast. We want to teach you stuff and make you laugh and also turn you on. I'm Sleeping Girl. I'm Cece. And we're the two hip chicks. So let's take a shot and get this show on the road. Hello. Today we're actually not taking shots. So no. in spirit, we're going to take sips of our drinks. Big, um, big sips. Little gulps. Little gulps. Big sips, little gulps. <laughs> I've got um, what I usually drink, which is like seltzer, a little bit of sugar, lime juice, and rum. It's essentially a mojito, but with no mint. It's very tasty. And I'm going to have grog. Cece <laughs> <laughs> was it so just, excited that oh it's my called God. grog. So, it's just rum and water. No, but I got so excited because... I was like, what can I put with my rum? And I was like asking a bunch of people about flavored water and da 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 da. And they're like, oh, do you not like the taste of water? And I'm like, no, I like the taste of water, but I should have a flavor in this with my rum. And then it was like, no, actually, let me just do water and rum. And so here I thought, like, I kind of invented water and rum. And then somebody on Discord or something. It was you. I told you. (laughs) It was me, Dio. Um, Anyway. Kono Dio (laughs) da! Wow, we were like, what are we, like a minute in and there was a JoJo (laughs) reference? Great. It was even during the shot. Yeah. But anyway, so. This is taking forever. I know, because because somebody's like, oh, it's Grog. And I'm like, oh. established that it was me who told you. (laughs) (laughs) It was you, okay. (laughs) You said it was Grog. And I was like, oh my god, I'm a pirate. I think you're really loud. It might be really loud. Yeah. And I haven't even drank yet. No, I know. Okay, ready? All right, cheers. Cheers. Yum. Tastes good. Yum. All right, let's let's do this. I'm Sleeping Girl. And I'm Cece. And this is our Two Hip Chicks podcast. Two Hip Chicks where we have a little bit to drink and... <laughs> a little bit to drink. <laughs> um, and we talk about kink, hypnosis, our lives. This podcast is not safe for work. Um, and please don't listen to it while you're driving because um, we do transferring this podcast. So, yeah. Yeah. So today we're going to be talking about... Like metaphor, allegory, symbolism, and a little bit of storytelling, I think. Um, okay. Uh, because we can't really talk about these things without talking about Milton Erickson, who right. we talked about a little bit in the last podcast. Um, and um, what I, I think when a lot of people think of Erickson, um, they think of Ericksonian storytelling, which... Yeah, that's definitely what I think that's, of. Yeah, that seems to come up a lot. Um, there's a lot of other stuff that Erickson did. Like, our, our last podcast was on utilization, which I think is a good place to start with that. Um, mm-hmm. So, metaphor is a really important part of hypnosis. Um, this is going to be really interesting. I want to just, Yeah, like, should we, like... Let's, let's sort of, like, give this a little bit of a... A baseline or yeah. something? So, um... <laughs> Metaphor is a really important part of hypnosis, and I was talking to Cece about, like, oh, let's do this podcast on metaphor, I've been reading these great articles, which I'll link the articles that I've been reading, and, um, like, in the notes of the show, um, and I think we should talk about that, and I was giving examples of metaphor to Cece, and she was not really getting them so cc is a very 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 (laughs) very literal thinker like extremely literal yeah somebody actually um a friend of ours or whatever pointed out that was it little zr actually no uh no i thought it was mental confetti actually oh really yeah oh cool yeah said you know cc did you ever read those books, Amelia Bedelia? Yeah. And I'm like, oh my god, yeah, I totally grew up on those books. Yeah. And she's like, you, you kind of, and I, and like, actually, she was just like, well, and as soon as she said, well, all of a sudden, 
um, I w- it like hit me. I'm like, are you implying that I'm like Amelia Bedelia? Yeah. And she's like, a little. And I'm just like, oh my god, no! I I'm sarcastic. Like yeah. I'm. You know, all these things. And I've never considered myself a literal thinker, which I think is very fascinating. Right. Because as uh, and I... Whoops. That's okay. I'll bleep it. <laughs> Sleeping Girl and I... Bleep it. Bleep it. <laughs> Sleeping Girl and I um, have learned, like, more and more recently, I think. like In the last year or so. In the last year or so. I'm an incredibly literal thinker. Yeah. And to the degree of like, you know, like what what what, what do we always say? Like I did your mom last night or like Oh yeah, like or, a your mom joke. Oh, yeah. like a mom joke or something. I immediately think of their mother and I'm just like right. or like aren't they a nice person? Like I'm confused. Right. <laughs> like, right. It's a little it's a little funky. So I, I've been yeah. kind of like, can we do this? Like, is this possible? But I think it's a good example. Um, so let's just kind of give some baseline about metaphor. I'm going sure. to, I'm going to read, this is very exciting. I'm going to read an excerpt from the book that I'm writing, the brainwashing book. Um, this is the first time any of this is going to be like made public. It's still kind of drafty. I was actually just tweaking it a little bit today before work, um, like the section so I could read it. Um, and but essentially the concept of metaphor when you sort of boil it down is creating equivalence between two things that don't necessarily have equivalence like i think a lot of people remember metaphor from english class as being something like oh you know uh she's the apple of your eye or something you know that's a metaphor CC is thinking really hard. Well, no, because because remember it was similes. Yeah, so sim- so so the the rule <laughs> the rule in English class was that similes use like or, or as like or as to compare yeah. to compare two yeah. things where metaphors just do it implicitly. Right, right. So this is so this is like so a simple metaphor might be your smile lights up the room. Your smile doesn't literally light up the room. Right. No, of course. But and we've and we've discussed right. like. There were some things that are, you know, I'm not Amelia Bedelia, right? I right. mean, she was, you read one of her books. I had you right. read one of her books just to right. see I how. I read them as a child as well. Oh, did you? Yeah. I don't think I knew that. But anyway, we actually ended up getting a hold of one, at, yeah. uh, you know, yep. like soon after hearing about that. And, uh, I mean, it's absurd. You know, she's she's absurd. Right, right, right. Uh, literal. And, um no, of course I get some things, right? right? Like, but, but with that being said, <laughs> I'm sorry, but your smile lights up the room. There is a part of me that's like, her teeth must, you you know, like her teeth are really white. Right. So there is, so there so is moments. Harkening back to, sorry, our, harkening back to our last podcast, which was about yes. utilization. Yes. This is a prime example. So we're going to be talking about metaphor in the sort of Ericksonian sense and interestingly enough there's a lot of focus in Ericksonian metaphor about being ambiguous with your metaphors right um and I I do this I do this and it works fine however right maybe we should play around with me being a little more heavy-handed with metaphor or thinking so like I, now I have this greater understanding of how you parse metaphors, so I can take advantage of that. Right. This is the whole concept of utilization. Erickson would be very happy. Um, right. Man, what a trip. Um, so, uh, let me... I, I think I'm going to start off by Why don't reading... Why read? I'm yeah, read, read your excerpt. It's going to be a little long. Um, okay. Because it's an entire section. This is from chapter 10, which is the chapter about creating... Um, uh, basically building scenes and using fantasy and stuff like that. Um, and this section is called Metaphor and Creating Change from Fantasy. And so this whole chapter up until this point has been talking about ways that you can approach scene building and stuff like that. Um, so this is in the context of that. Okay. Um, so here we go. And if, if you feel like you want to say something and interrupt me, that's fine, I think. And then we can... <laughs> you think? I can't tell. Should I just read it? It's long, you know? Yeah. 
Should I just read it and then we could talk about it? I mean, how long? Uh, long. Are you serious? Yeah. That long? Yeah, I'm going to read the whole thing. I think our listeners deserve it. They've been waiting for this book for a long time, and it's that's really a, important. That's really long. You yeah. just scrolled with a while. Not that long. It's fine. All right, I'm, I'm just going to go. Okay. Even in complete fantasy scenes, there are opportunities to create real change. You can add elements of yourself and your relationship with them, relying on allegory for them to pick up. Oftentimes, the feelings will carry through roleplay, at the very least staying close to the surface and becoming easy to touch again. For example, if you create a scenario where they, are, where they are a helpless and mindlessly obedient servant, this can become metaphorical, and you can take advantage of the realness of the sense of wanting to serve to turn it into actual behavioral change. Metaphor is an important part of storytelling, whether it's cinematic, written, or something we use in speech to try to communicate. Metaphor is a way of creating presumed equivalence between seemingly unrelated things. For example, oh, I, I use this example. For example, a simple metaphor may be something like your smile brightens the room to express how you feel about someone. <laughs> That's funny. I was just doing this. But metaphors are more than the short sentences we learned in, in English class. They're an important tool when used in a more dynamic, allegorical way. Milton Erickson, who we discussed earlier in the book, was known for using metaphor in his hypnotherapy as a way to indirectly coach clients into seeing capabilities and opportunities that they may not have seen before. Famously, he told a story about tomato plants to a chronically ill patient to illustrate the same level of attention involved between caring for a, fl- caring for a plant and managing illness. A metaphor that extends over an entire narrative like this can be called a dynamic metaphor. It shifts and serves to tell a story. We use metaphors all the time in our daily speech, but as Erickson noted, they're a powerful hypnotic tool. They can be used to indirectly suggest trance or other responses. In fact, you may do this already without words by just slowing down or lowering your voice while you hypnotize someone. But they can also be used in brainwashing scenes to create change. A scenario where you transform your partner into an unwitting psychology test subject getting brainwashed could be allegorical to their current situation if you have a brainwashing relationship, and it probably hits pretty close to home. Or pet play, which may have heavy connotations of ownership, may influence how they feel. You could even do something more abstract, like moon and tide imagery, to symbolize control. When a hypnotic subject is given a sufficiently ambiguous metaphor, it causes them to unconsciously initiate a trans-derivational search. They look inward and attempt to create connections and identify with some part of what the hypnotist is saying. This is a good frame of mind to facilitate change or trance. Sometimes this may also be as simple as having them recall the state of mind or temporary behavioral change that they experienced, whether it's a simple nod or a callback to another session. The more you draw upon states of mind or behaviors, even during role player hypnosis, the more they will tend to be reinforced. Using scenes as a way of shaping, which are small steps to achieve larger goals in a conditioning sense, can also be very effective. This also means that we need to be a little careful when enacting fantasies that we don't necessarily want to spill over, especially if we've taken advantage of it in the past. Some people are very good at separating the two, but for others the line is more blurred, and it's not always going to be predictable. It isn't a bad thing either way, it's just a matter of learning how your partner processes and working with them, and possibly working to teach them how to do one or the other through practice. So that's the section of the book. Um, Oh, that wasn't too long. No, no, I I didn't think it was going to be too bad. Um, Like I said, this is... This is, and this is discussing metaphor in the sense of using metaphor as something to create, like, conditioning change. Right, right. Um, but there's a couple of important parts in here. Do you have anything you feel like you wanted to comment on after listening to that? No. No. Okay. (laughs) Um, so, essentially, there's... So let's kind of go to this idea of metaphor not just as a simple statement, but as an overarching part of a story, for example. Right. Um, We were just, you and I were just talking about examples of stories that had metaphor. So, like, um, I think the most prominent example that comes to mind for me is The Crucible, which we both read, um, which was about witch hunt. Yep. And that was metaphorical and allegorical for McCarthyism. So there's a lot of literature that's that mm-hmm. contains allegory and metaphor for politics. Yeah. Like politics of the time or something. Right. That makes sense. Um, that's a big part of it. Um, 
But the idea is that you can tell a story that the entire point of the story and the entire narrative of the story or an element in the story is metaphorical for something that someone's experiencing. Right. Um, so in Ericksonian storytelling, mm-hmm. usually what you would do is create a narrative of something that's allegorical for their current situation. And in, you know, hypnotherapy, that would be like doing something that would facilitate uh, change or something that they could see in their current situation. Um, in hypnosis, brainwashy funland, like, right. that might be something a little bit different. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. So I also want to bring up um, transgenerational search because I, I mentioned it in the um, reading that I just did. And so I think a lot of people, when they hear the concept of transgenerational search, they they know it from the idea of instant inductions. People okay. talk about instant inductions um, working on principle of a pattern interrupt. Okay, yeah. Um, so a pattern interrupt is when you have someone doing a pattern, I think famously like a handshake right, the handshake. is like a really common pattern mm-hmm. that people do it unconsciously and, they, and it just happens. So the idea with a handshake induction is that you go to initiate the pattern and you break the pattern mm-hmm. and then you, um, there's different ways of, of doing it. A lot of people will, um, with a handshake, they'll put it up to their face or they'll touch it ambiguously and then it becomes right. confusing. And people talk about there being a transderivational search in there. It's more accurate to say that a transderivational search is something that happens whenever you have to sort of look inward okay. about something. Sure. And that act of looking inward can be very trancy. Okay. So, um, metaphors usually initiate a transderivational search in this sense. Okay. So if you are for example, telling a story to someone and they're looking, they're, they, they don't even have to consciously be looking for a metaphor. When you're reading a story and you're sort of looking inward to try to identify with the characters in the story, yeah, yeah. that's a transdervational search because you're looking inward to find connections. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I feel like I do that all the time. Yeah. So that's yeah, probably we all do. why. We all do. <laughs> we all do. Um... So, so I kind of wanted to just kind of give that because I think that's an important part of it. If you consider that, that's kind of like the third topic of this podcast is transgenerational searches. If you consider, um, those, like, if you start thinking about when people are going to have those, that's a good opportunity. Um, those are good opportunities for you to notice as a hypnotist. Um, what do you do with them? Um, you could just take advantage of them. Like you can promote more inward thinking. You can shift the way that they're thinking. Okay. You can use that as an opportunity. That's that is arguably a pattern that you could interrupt. Mm-hmm. Um, to initiate trance and stuff like okay. that. Um, I don't know. You just play around with it. Okay. For funsies. Um, but yeah. So. I feel really scattered about this whole topic. Like, I feel like there's a lot that I want to say, and I don't really know how to say much of it, and that's why I am writing a book and right, shared right. the book. That makes sense. <laughs> so, all right. So how do... I guess the question is... Okay, so... I can't say that word that you keep on saying, like, so easily. That's okay. What should I call it? A search. A search. Okay, so when your brain is searching. Yeah. Um, that's why metaphors are important, because it allows the brain to do more searching, like, or more profound searching. I would so say speak, that's one. Or controlled, maybe. I'm not sure that's how I would describe it. Okay. I would say that's one aspect of metaphors. I think the, like, one aspect of metaphors is that people will turn inward. 
mm-hmm. and that's a useful thing to notice as a hypnotist. Yes. Um, but the other, um, but it's not just about like taking advantage of a transdurational search. Yeah. It's that understanding that the act of doing that and the act of trying to, um, identify with something or create equivalences somewhere okay is a thing that you can play with to promote change so like in so for like a therapeutic example um this is not exactly because i mentioned in the book about how there's the really famous tomato plant mm-hmm. Erickson story. Um, so that kind of thing serves two purposes. If you're okay. telling someone a story about a garden um, and you're framing it and, and they happen to um, be kind of feeling stretched thin and like they can't take care of themselves. Yeah. Um, you might be talking about the garden in such a way like, you know, sometimes it's hard to have flourishing healthy plants when you're so busy off and doing other things. Uh-huh. But when you take the time to care for it, then you can notice a lot of growth in other areas. Yeah. Like so something like that. And if you extend that into a long narrative, then you're allowing them to identify like so you're changing their frame of reference and perspective okay so if you so a metaphor helps with changing framing their their perspective even yeah okay okay yeah yeah okay (laughs) yeah what no just no i'm just trying to understand how how it fits in with hypnosis and how it's like important because from my perspective, right, I don't necessarily need to understand the metaphor for it to work. Right. So the question is, why? Like, you so know, and I think I'm understanding. It, like, I think you're explaining it. It's kind of a complicated topic to talk about because there are so many different elements to it. Like, the idea of changing framing is really important. Okay. Like, so do you remember we did a trance and it was really profound for you where we talked about you being a sponge? Oh, yes. Right. Right. Yep. Go so ahead. So you may not literally feel like a sponge, but mm. you were, but your frame of reference <laughs> yes. changed. The way that you looked at yourself changed yes. because you were able to see it from a different angle. Okay. So that's another helpful, and I don't know, like, I don't know if I was, I don't want to get caught on the difference between a metaphor and a simile because the, no, no, it no, doesn't, I, I don't think it really matters in this case. Like, yeah. so, the fact that you were able to sort of step outside of yourself mm-hmm. and, and look at it differently yeah. is, that's a really super useful thing. Right. Um, it, it's kind of like, so I was giving examples in the book about if you're doing, um, like a scene with someone Mm -hmm. where you're doing role play. Sure. That can be allegorical, even if it seems really close to what the reality is, you're still changing the frame of reference. And I don't know if you would necessarily call that metaphorical. I think you could, Mm -hmm. um, like in the sense that like, if you're in a relationship with someone and you're doing pet play with them, yeah. Um, they're probably they're probably going to see some allegory between when they're a cat versus not a cat. Okay. I feel like I'm just confusing you and I just feel bad. No, I mean you don't have to feel bad. <laughs> I might be confused. But I mean I'm I'm confused a lot. So you should you shouldn't feel bad about it. <laughs> No, I mean, I guess, well, you do keep on bringing up allegory, and I'm, 
not entirely sure what that is. So, so that's already going to confuse me a little. Allegory, allegory and metaphor are really closely intertwined. Okay. Um, the, the definitions kind of differ. Allegory, I guess you could say, is more of the overarching story. Like, okay. like Aesop's fables are allegories. Okay. Like, um, I don't know if you'd necessarily like, call them metaphorical. Like they have a moral? They have a, Is so that they, relevant? So they, that's sort of part of it. That It's not necessarily that they have a moral, yeah. but they represent something else. So an Aesop fable represents um, a different situation that, that exists in real life that doesn't exist with fantasy creatures. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So that's more of an allegory. Okay. And And basically what I'm saying is like, Sort of like with Aesop's Fables. Actually, if you're, that's probably a really good example. Yeah, so if you're retrospect. if you're if you're kind of role playing and doing scenes with someone, mm-hmm. those scenes can sort of become like Aesop's Fables and be allegorical to the current relationship and situation, which can be a really cool thing. And like I was saying in the book, it also is something to look out for because people can develop real feelings and real behavioral patterns from what may have just been a one-off role-play scene. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. I feel like I've said everything I wanted to say, and we are not even 30 minutes in. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I guess I think personally it's I mean, the sponge thing is, is definitely an interesting example and stuff. I mean, we play with metaphors and alleg- allegories, Yeah. right? All the time. It's just an allegory. I don't think you yeah. pluralize it. Oh, okay. I'm not sure. I don't actually know. Allegory. Yeah. All the time. And, I mean, like, I'm very aware that we do that, but I don't think much of it. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it just works and it happens and it's hot and it's awesome yeah but i don't really think much of it in the sense of like how did we get there or right. or something like that right. but you as a top or a hypnotist in this particular case i could see why you would kind of have to pay attention a bit more yeah sort of and it's it this is one of those things where it's like a lot of people kind of do this already yeah like like i was saying like just kind of naturally if you're you can metaphor doesn't have to be verbal as well like i when i was mentioning in the book that um people a lot of the times use metaphor because when they they start to talk like this and then and that is a that's a metaphor for going into trance that lowering of the voice is metaphorical does that make sense i mean it makes sense that that like equals there's a connection right right the connection like i get that it, it's a signal. It's a connection, right. and it gets and it gets right. people to sort of think that way, even if they're it's not they're not sit. Someone's not sitting there being like, "Oh, his voice is going down. I should go into trance." It's it's right. more of an no, unconscious no, thing. No, it's definitely more um, like just kind of. And you can and and so like people do this too with with kinesthetic hypnosis. Like so, a lot of people will sort of just unconsciously associate um, running their hands up someone's body is up and down someone's sure. body is down. Right. That's also kind of metaphorical. And then the speed, of course, matters yep, as speed well. Speed matters. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of different elements to it. Um, you we know, even in like the non-hypnosis concept, right? Where somebody is like kind of talking louder or something like that. If you just kind of take your hand and kind of do that, like lower, like lowering yeah. your hand gently or whatever, they'll usually start yeah. to lower their voices you and there's know, and, and there's yeah and there's more aspects so I guess, is that metaphorical i i would say there's it, it's kind of connected to metaphor if not it is metaphor okay, okay. i okay. i would say that there's more to it in that case yeah. like um but like in hypnosis we do shit like that all the time and we right. rely on that kind of thing in fact um, sometimes the, there's a really good example of when people have different sort of expectations mm-hmm. and they process it differently. Some people, when they want to wake someone out of trance, they count one, two, three. And some yeah. people count three, two, one, which I find really interesting to wake someone up. Right. Um, and, uh, 
I'm personally I'm in the I'm in the one two three camp. Although I don't do a lot of count ups, it's they're not yeah. my favorite. Yeah. Um. Can we go on that tangent for a second? Three I, two one would be so confusing for me. Yeah, actually. I've, I, I've I'd be it, like, what? It's um, very yeah, confusing no, for me. Oh, whoa! It's very confusing. But for like me. snapping of the fingers was really confusing for me at right, first, right? right? Until we established right. like what that was for us, right? And and just and that's actually a good thing to bring up is that if like playing with metaphors is great Mm -hmm. but if you're trying like if you're trying to get a specific thing going and you feel like you're not being like understood and the point is to be understood in a specific way maybe maybe be a little more like give them a little more to work with you know okay i a lot of this abstract um uh, sure or more herbs. more like establish some understanding of okay. what's going on okay sure. like establish the actors basically okay um like kind of like when you're reading uh, i'm just gonna go through all the things that we talked about before kind of like when you're reading the scarlet letter and i thought of you so get, many more that i've actually you get more out. you get more of the metaphor out of it when you're told oh this is, you know, the people who are judging the people with the Scarlet Letter are meta- allegorical to different groups of um, people with different opinions at the time. You know, you understand a little bit more by knowing a little bit of the background. Right, um, right. So that might be something that's worth exploring is, is establishing, little, yeah. establishing ahead of time or, yeah. or during even. Um, yeah. Yeah, either beforehand or ahead of time, or even if you're, you had mentioned, even from that excerpt, um, that you could do, like, a scene or something where it comes up, and then technically you could do another scene where it kind of comes up maybe even a little different way or something like that, um, just to keep on adding that element to Mm -hmm. it so that, you know... And get more of that result too. Right. I mean, like the moon, for example, is is a great one for us. Yeah. Even if the first scene we did, where you were talking about the moon, you were very surprised how I took it. Yeah. We can still like run with that. Right. Right. And so because and now that's very much something for us. Right. Right. Um, and um, like this is a so this is a great place to sort of drive home that concept of utilization Mm -hmm. because like I have to I have to know what you're um understanding to some degree I it's not it's not that it's necessary that I know but what information that I do get yeah is useful to me oh yeah so it's the same in this situation when you're talking about metaphor right that makes sense. Yeah. You probably won't necessarily get the answer unless you actually ask, like, during the process, um, until afterwards. Sure. I mean, you can so look... You could just ask for it, I guess. Yeah, and it's it's not... Like, it's so important to not look at this as, like, are they getting it right or getting it wrong? Oh, Are no, they understanding right. what I'm saying or not understanding what I'm saying? But... I don't think... Definitely worth mentioning. Yeah. That that's not what this is about. Right, right. Like, that's... In general, like... It's super good to um, get rid of the sort of pass-fail mentality in your hypnosis scenes and look at it more of, like, oh, what's happening? That's interesting. Yeah. You know, if if you, like, train yourself every time something happens, just like, oh, that's interesting. Like, that's a good... That's helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ooh, that's, like, good advice for any... Anybody in in the whole scene. (laughs) Honestly, on either side, too. Yeah. Like, that's... That's good. Yeah. And then what can you do with it? Right. Yeah. Right. Nice. But, yeah. I did think of another one. What? Um, Animal Farm. Yeah, Animal Farm's a good one. I very clearly knew what Animal Farm was about before I read it. Yeah. And so I was good. Yeah. But anything religious, I almost always got. Right. Isn't that weird? 
Well, I mean, that was something like close to you. Oh, it was God, like so, really so important, and that's part of deep. Um, part of what people, at least people, when they talk about Erickson and Ericksonian storytelling, um, they recommend that you use a metaphor that is like if you're crafting a story and crafting yeah. a metaphor use something that the person knows intimately. I was just going to say, um, I figured that's where you were going with yeah, this. Yeah, and, and because then they'll be able to identify with it and understand it better. Uh, yeah. Um, right. So religion's powerful for me. Right. Which is why the moon thing and everything Yeah. got so strong. Yep. Cool. Big stuff. Did we do that on the podcast? No. The moon one we didn't do on the podcast? No, I don't think so. Oh, shoot. I've been talking around this whole thing and I'm not even explaining myself? No. Oh, I thought it was on the podcast. I don't think so. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> to the listeners, I'm really sorry. <laughs> I don't mean to just talk about... So basically there was just a scene where a uh, sleeping girl... <laughs> oh, good. I don't, have to, I don't have to bleep another thing. I have to come up with something fun to bleep that with. I know. Besides just bleep bleep. Coro Dio da. Yeah. No. Dio. Just say Dio. Dio. Um, anyway, uh, the sleeping girl did this like scene or whatever. And and you're going to have to probably help me with this. I don't Actually. I don't oh, fucking great, remember our scenes. <laughs> if a tree falls was, in a forest. <laughs> I don't know if we ever have done a scene. Um, that's why we started doing podcasts and recording them. Right. Um, but, so, anyway, I don't think you even called yourself a moon. I don't think you no, were I think you, the moon was, in this scenario whatsoever. It was spontaneous. I don't yeah. even remember what the scene was. Oh, well, this is a horrible story if I don't it's actually remember it. It's a pretty And you don't remember. It was definitely you something. You better just made it up. No, no. This is... That's gaslighting. <laughs> We'll do that another time. Oh, God, that's so hot. Anyway. <laughs> oh, shoot. No, don't mess with my memory on this. <laughs> oh, no, not already. Well, anyway, basically something about... Huh, uh, something to do with, like, it went to a worship place, but you never said the words worship. Right. And you never... You mentioned a moon. There was, anyway. like, a moon. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, there was like we a did moon. do this on the podcast. No, we've done, we must have. If any of our listeners. We did it on the, we did it on the couch. I know, we must yeah, have know. done it on the couch. We were definitely on the couch. Uh, if no. any of our listeners remember well, basically, this, let us know what happened. Basically, it was like, it was like almost unrelated and there was a moon and yeah. there was. Before I know it, I'm like, feel like I'm worshiping her, her voice um, and she's a moon goddess. Like. I don't know what happened, right. but it was powerful. The yeah. end. And then... It was a horrible story. That was a horrible story. I tell, I tell great stories, and that was not one of them. <laughs> you tell long stories. <laughs> it gets great in the end. That's to, how that works. Is it? Yeah. All right. Well, all right. So I think um, we're going to take a break, and I'm going to see if there's anything else that my brain comes up with during this break, because... That always fucking happens, and then if not, we'll do trance. And I think a lot of this has to, like, is going to be more understood through example. I'm, I'm thinking. I'm thinking that I think too. example is, and is it's necessary. not because I'm biased. That and we're giving you know, we're giving ooh, book examples. I want, <laughs> I want trance. Right. So let's just do that. Right. Then um, I'll understand better. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Brb. All right, so I think we're just going to move into doing trance stuff, and then maybe we'll talk about it afterwards. We'll see. We'll just kind of see what happens. You're oh, very quiet. Okay. <laughs> well, I thought you were talking to the, I, well, yeah. to the listeners. Yeah, because I just told you that before we clicked record. Right. So what would I say? I don't know. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. Okay, <laughs> well, I did. It's a podcast. <laughs> You have to, you have to like do the thing. I have to like talk, <laughs> right? Can't just sit here and like, just like look, or anything. I mean, that's fine too. They can't be heard. No, I guess. Oh, I could go. Uh, oh 
shoot, I can't think of it. Dang it. What is it? Stay. Kono. Oh, G. That's it. I was going to say Kono Dioda. No. <laughs> That's a little different. No, it's the stare thing. You know what? G. You know what? If you want an anime, I don't know if I should G. recommend this anime. If you want that an anime, has G in it? Th- no, that that's full of metaphor and symbolism. <laughs> oh, yeah. My favorite, the Monogatari, Monogatari series. It definitely has a lot of metaphor <laughs> and symbolism. It's also not. It's very not safe for work. It's super not safe for work. <laughs> and it has questionable content. And you definitely don't watch it while you're driving. Yeah, right. Don't watch anime while you're driving. I think it's a good, <laughs> good point. Good point, CC. See, full of it. I'm full of good, good points. <laughs> okay. All right. So why don't you just go into trance? Nice and easy. Really simple, really quick. And I mean, to some degree, right, I'm touching you, and we were discussing that touch is a part of metaphor. And I love how that kind of thing is, like, very intuitive for me when it comes to touch and metaphor of touch. Because I can just sort of calibrate the way that I touch you to the way that I kind of want things to flow. Use a soft touch for what feels like a tender moment. Then I can sort of increase the intensity. So I want you to start to imagine a scene for me. You can be on a beach and the sun is setting, something very simple. So if you can start to build all of that in your head and the way that that looks and the way that that feels, engaging all the parts of you that get engaged when you go into an experience. So if you're sitting on a beach and you're watching the sun setting, the different colors of the sky, and the sun, suns don't set terribly fast. But there is that kind of quality of when you're watching a sunset that it just kind of happens while you're looking at it in this like steady way that it starts to dip below the clouds. And on a beach it's lovely because you can see it start to approach the horizon where the sea reaches out expansively. And the way that it moves in that really unique way that the sun moves that we see from the earth and it starts to slip below the horizon line slowly as it sort of starts to get swallowed up casting light on the ocean that orange light that surrounds it it starts to fade as more and more of it gets swallowed up. Just the sliver of it sinking down. And there's always that sort of residual light where the sun set. And you know it's still moving. You can imagine what it would look like still kind of moving below the horizon as the light in the sky starts to dim and darken and it's this wonderful little process that happens every night so frequently something that we don't always get to take advantage of seeing something we don't always get to appreciate the way that that orange and those reds and purples fade into deeper colors, darker colors, blues, indigos, and eventually starting to fade into blackness. And even then, it's not quite like the process of it is finished because the sky keeps darkening. And you start to see 
slowly fading in the twinkle of stars, the light of the moon, the way that it casts over the clouds, move over the stars. And it's a sort of wonderful sense that you have something that you could see every day, something that we do see every day, that night sky, deep dark, beautiful. And you can just take that moment to enjoy and experience it. And to notice and to be able to have a moment where you're so peaceful and so appreciative of something natural, something that does happen, the ability to have that time, the ability to have that moment. That's something worth being grateful for something worth maybe paying more attention to. You can sort of focus yourself out into the sky and you can bring that focus in into your body how that feels. In a moment I'm going to wake you up and you can keep this experience close to you in whatever way feels right and good. And come back up. Mm. So there was another thing that I was thinking about that is an aspect of Ericksonian storytelling, which is called interspersal, um, which is where you intersperse suggestions into the story which is an aspect of it. They're not, they, they can be metaphorical, but they don't have to be. So like in that I was using a lot of like deep, dark right. language, you know, like dropping and stuff like that. Um, and sort of dispersing that in with, with the, with the, the scene. Right. right. Do you have any comments? I think that's, I think that's very effective for me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, if anything, it's like gives my brain a hint. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's super good. I think that's very helpful. Mm-hmm. Because then I can just kind of run with the whole process, knowing what, like knowing mm-hmm. what I'm supposed to do, as mm-hmm. opposed to you know, even though there's not this right or wrong thing. Um, but, but there's yeah. a, there's a sense of it. Nobody wants to, to be doing the wrong thing. Right. 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 So. Um, what what did you feel like you were um experiencing or picking up on or any of that i mean it was just a deepener like the whole thing was Mm -hmm. just like going deeper and deeper and there was even a part of the self that was starting to kind of go away Mm -hmm. right um with the darkness i think was when that kind of started to like the dim light and that sort of thing yeah um was kind of self but then it was it was kind of interesting because when it went to the night sky there was the moon so then all of a sudden your voice was in my head kind of thing mm-hmm. um more so mm-hmm. right and it was almost it was just very much like all of a sudden there was no self now I was just in the sky yeah listening to your voice so it was very it was just comforting, yeah. I guess, yeah. you know, like, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it felt like ascension <laughs> or something like yeah, that. It right. had more to do with just, that was now my place, mm-hmm. you know, was was in the sky, listening to your voice, I guess, that right. was, this is my life now, right. <laughs> and I was fine with that, <laughs> you know, it was that right. kind of thing, right. so... So that's what. Cool. Yeah. 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 
I guess there's got to be a part of my brain that understands what's going on. Right. Even if... Well, that's the thing is, like, you don't, like... I think even... I don't know if it was the tomato plant story or something else with Erickson, but there, but there's definitely stories that are told about him where he would he would see a client and he would tell them this long-winded story and they would leave and they would be like, that wasn't helpful at all. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. And then they would call him later and be like, I don't know what you did, but I feel better. Oh, that's interesting. You know? That's interesting. Um, did even so know they were disgusted level, by it. Yeah, like on some level... Things are unconscious sometimes, you know. Or just, yeah. You know. Yeah, definitely. So. There's, like, another... There's just different aspects that you're listening to right. different parts. Right. Right. Well, I mean, that was... So that was, like, a really very kind of hit-you-over-the-head example of Ericksonian storytelling. <laughs> um, and that's not... That's, like, that's... That's an aspect of metaphor, allegory, sure. symbolism, all that stuff. Um, but there's, but I just want to like reiterate that it doesn't have to be that kind of like, oh, the point of this is to get you deeper into trance, and right. that, you know, like you can do scenes with people that the metaphor and allegory has a different purpose. Um, and you have to be open to how they're going to interpret things mm-hmm. and be communicative with them about, you know, how they feel after yeah, after you play and stuff like that. So, all right. Well, we're going to go and do our after hours <laughs> fun time. Um, as always, um, you can find our after hours recordings, which are essentially more trance and sexy yep. things on our Patreon. Check it out. Yep. Um, please keep an eye out for my book. It's it's coming, like, very soon. Like, <laughs> honestly, I promise. We're, we're getting through it. Um, it's really good. Yep. I'm really proud of it. <laughs> um, I guess we'll, we'll do a listener question. Oh, sure. What's... Give me an example of metaphor and allegory that either you've used in trance or you feel like you've responded to in trance. Oh, I thought you were asking me. I was so scared. (laughs) No. And then you said that you've used in trance, and I'm like, oh, it's not me. If you can't think of any, um, if you can't think of any in hypnosis, um, maybe something from movies, literature, TV, something else. Sure. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye.